Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to another edition of the Accounting Influencers Podcast, going out globally to 40,000 accounting bookkeeping professionals all over the world in 153 countries. I'm Rob Brown here, your host, bringing you the executive influencers from all over the world with the best insights on what is affecting the accounting profession. I'm thrilled to have with me today from Baladis. It's Jim Gramley. Good day, sir. Hi, Rob. How are you? We're splendid. Jim, great to have you on the show. For people that haven't come across you, just tell us a bit about your background and your areas of expertise. Sure. I'm a longtime veteran in the industry. I've got about 40 plus years experience. I worked at Arthur Young when it was Arthur Young back in the 80s and then ran businesses at both Thompson Reuters and Walters Kluwer. Well, we're going to go into some great topics today, particularly around audit. It's a great passion of yours. But just give us a general feel, Jeff. There's a lot going on in the accounting world right now. What kind of shift do you feel accounting is in at the present time? I think, especially in the audit line of service, we're in a paradigm shift. And I've been talking all year about this contract called or concept called the data-driven audit. And it's more than that. Now it's reality. And basically, this is a real change in the industry. So instead of just grabbing data and doing sampling. We now have the ability with extraction tools such as what we offer and standardization to actually look at all data in, a, in an audit and look at all the financial data at one time, bring it in, and then really change the way we look at some of our procedures thereof and some of our tasks that need to be done. So I think this is a huge efficiency gain and a huge technology gain, as well as a, a better quality. Everybody's delivered huge quality across the globe for years, but this is this even improves it even more. And I, so I think we're at a real inflection point in 2024 and beyond where we're going to look at changing the way we've done things the same way for close to uh, 60, 70 years. You could even call that a thousand years. Double entry bookkeeping has been the way ever thus and spreadsheets changed it a little bit, but how good is the accounting profession as a whole in adapting and changing in your view? We're slow. Compared to almost every professional vertical around, we're slow. Unless, Rob, there is a legislative mandate, such as in the tax world and our counterparts over in that tax line of service where they have a mandate from a government agency, they adopt new technologies really quickly. We adopt new technologies in the back office to run the firm, but in, in audit and other areas, if we don't have a mandate, we sure love soundly, same as last year. <laughs> we don't want to change. It partly is because we don't see a need in a lot of cases, but now we have the ability to do it and really drive a big efficiency at every audit, as well as drive quality at the same time. Just because there's an opportunity to do it and there's a technology to do it doesn't necessarily mean it will get done. I know you're driving the movement here in making audit more transparent and 
better equipped to be done with the technology available. Talk to us about the state of technology and accounting firms generally. Are they buying well? Are they choosing well? Are they using it well? Right across the board with tech, Jeff. So when I look across the globe and I see some things that are happening, so take on your side of the pond in, in Europe, a lot of the firms are a little smaller than the, the firms over here or in the States on a comparative basis, but they've moved to the cloud center or they're already in the cloud and they're expecting everything to be in the cloud versus staying on premise-based type technologies. In that case, uh, they're ahead. You see a lot of creative products implemented in Europe and, and, and come all over the, the world and they come to this to the States as well uh, as part of that. I think what we see now is, especially in audit in this particular line of service, Rob, that is the only one that is a global opportunity, both within the firm uh, and within the profession, because if you're a good auditor in the States, you will be in, in Europe and, and other parts of the world and vice versa. When we look at that, we see a lot of, of the bigger firms moving uh, quicker. And certainly it's always been a top-down industry where the big four come first and the next six and so on. So we're seeing that move relatively quickly. The rest of the industry is, is reaching out and watching to see what they do, and they will quickly follow. So we see parts of it moving platforms ahead. And so that, as I mentioned, to the cloud versus premise-based, but in terms of revamping processes and procedures inside the firm. We see more of the bigger firms, especially in the States, slightly ahead in that regard. And partly it's because they're bigger and they have to, you just need to, to move on. Yeah, you're touching on it there. I was wondering if the States is leading the charge here with tech and accounting. Are you ahead of other regions in the world? There's a lot going on in Australia, New Zealand. The UK continues to think it's the center of the universe. <laughs> really, it isn't. Who's leading the race, Jeff? Is it you guys? I, I would say overall, there's, there's more further ahead overall, I would say, in the States. But I don't really look at it that way, Rob. I see the components because there's some really great problems product and creative ideas coming really from all over the world, from Australia, uh, from your part of the world, all parts of Europe. We're seeing some things out of, out of Germany, out of Belgium, out of the UK, all different uh, countries. And, and it's really exciting because uh, they have applicability everywhere. And that's the part that excites me the most is it's truly a global thing. So if you figure it out and, and uh, pick, pick a country. If you figure it out in, in, in England and you want to take it to the rest of the world, it's got to play. And, and, and the value prop is, is very similar. Some cases not always identical. And vice versa, we're seeing a lot of smaller things come up. So in the audit space and that line of service, we've gone for, oh, 20, 30 years without a whole lot of new tools and ways to do things. And in the last five to seven years, we've just seen an explosion of creative ideas that are going after very uh, different pieces of the audit and the workflow all with it. We can't talk about the technology and the audit without talking about the people side of things. We hear a lot about talent pipelines and staffing shortages. What's your take on the whole attraction of the profession and bringing people in? We're at a still an ongoing challenging time and we see year over year fluctuations with at the universities here in the States and abroad of young people wanting to major in accounting and then we'll see an uptick and then we'll see it drop off again. The staffing shortage is never really going to be resolved. We're always going to have challenges. I saw one report just this past week where there's 300,000 shortages across the globe in accounting or, or less in the profession, and we can't even fathom to make that number up. So what does that mean? It means the students that are coming out versus when I came out quite a while ago, they're better prepared, uh, but there's a lot more to know and learn. One thing they're really in tune with is technology at a firm. They don't want to go to work so far that's going to make them do uh, things manually. And manually can be, you know, within uh, Excel. If it's just 
automating a spreadsheet or things like that. They want real tools. They don't want to waste their time on things that could be automated. And that's the group that really, Rob, starts to create new ideas and new software technologies and new opportunities because they see it. They're like, you know what, if we did this and this, we could automate that entire process. And that's what they're really interested in. These are smart young people. They know what they want uh, and they're very focused. So the quality that we're getting out of the universities is as good as it's ever been. In some cases, even better, but we're not solving the, the fundamental staffing shortage and still in a lot of firms making them do work that should have been automated and adds no value to the process. And particularly in audit, when I speak to accountant firms on employer brand, I help some firms by interviewing their people, Jeff, to talk about why they are a great place to work, to give that truth of employee advocacy. And audit partners, senior audit people, very technical people, they're the ones they find the hardest to recruit. There's not many of them out there. There's not many of them coming through the ranks. How do we solve that conundrum? Yeah. So, so, you know, Getting them on board and get, getting them to start out of university is one challenge, right? I think keeping them and keeping them engaged and keeping them through that three to five to seven year time frame where they really have the industry experience now. They've developed several of their own expertises in different areas and different types of businesses, and they know how to audit and, and, and do that really well. When you sit down and you talk to them and you ask, what do you like most about working on an audit engagement? It won't be, well, we really reviewed the numbers and we really ticked everything, as we say in the States, and it, was, and it went really well. That's not it at all. It'll, they'll tell you more around, it's the relationships with the clients that we have formed and the ability to talk to them about their business. And when they ask us to come back and help advise them on an expansion opportunity or on an efficiency gain or both, that's what we really like. So try to mold them and, and give them those opportunities. And Rob, that was no different than when I was doing it. The, the, the chances that we had to actually interact with the, with the owners of of an emerging business or with the uh, CFOs of an established business, depending on the size and structure, but really the ability to help share some business ideas and best practices that we would have uniquely as an auditor, because we're doing other audits of other companies, very similar to the ones that we're talking to. So it, it's really letting them see some of that and letting them see how they could contribute and use other skills and soft skills. That's critical to keeping the best staff. And that, those are also the ones that end up being the highest producers over time. Yeah, that makes sense. It is incumbent on the profession to talk up what a great career move it is and what interesting work is going on and how they're really changing the game. hundred percent. And then one of the things I know we wanted to talk about, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bounce to it now, we saw about, I don't know, two months ago, maybe three months ago now, BDO, uh, you know, as a, as a big global firm and adopt their new operating structure out of a partnership, more of a corporate structure. And so I've studied that and I've talked to a lot of people about that. And, and, and I think that is a really uh, wise move and, and a real opportunity. And why is that? Because in a corporate structure, you just have other opportunities with your staff to incent them differently, whether that's to give them some stock and they now have some equity in the game. Because if you talk to people that leave and, and go to other companies, why did you leave? Aside from these tasks that they didn't want to do anymore in the hours, which they will tell you, it's also... I never felt like I had any ownership. I was just doing a job and got paid. And yeah, some years when I worked a lot of overtime, I got paid for that or I got a bonus. So that wasn't it. So it's, it's not just about the money. 
but do I have a real ownership opportunity in it? And, and I think in that emerging corporate structure, I don't think it's going to impair independence. I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, dynamic to watch over the next five to 10 years, because I really do think it gives the owners of the business the opportunity to share in some of that uh, equity upside. Mm, and we do hear about the, the broken partnership model and managing partners. It's such an odd job role because partners can't be managed. They've all got their own agendas and their vested interests and their equity pots and everything else. And who wants to sign up for 20, 30 years of paying into that and then maybe make partner at the end of it, take a little bit out. It's, it's a whole new conversation. But Jeff, I wanted to ask you the famous book, Jim Collins, Good to Great. What's the difference between the good accounting firms and the great ones? What is the, when you look at the more advanced firms, when it comes to tech, there might well be the bigger firms because they've got resource versus the smaller firms, but particularly making technology decisions, what separates the good firms from the great ones? I think it boils down to, to one or, or two things, but it's a, it's a mindset of the managing partner or partners if there's a small group, but the one or two, but it fundamentally is their mindset of how we're going to move this firm together and how am I going to get buy-in. So you'll hear the word when you're looking at adoption within a firm, oh, we're going to do this and that because it's mandatory. A lot of firms, their word mandatory means preferred path. That's not what the best firms do. The best firms put in ways to measure whether you complied with the adoption of a new technology thing or not, and they make it count. And what does that mean? That means if you don't, you might get dinged on your review and you might get dinged on your compensation, right? So hit everybody in the pocketbook where it counts. You were told to use this and that, and you didn't. And so when I see firms that really um, are moving forward and ahead of the group and winning more clients and turning down, they're managing that technology cycle because that's where the win is for them. And the mindset is we're a technology-driven firm. That also means the way in which we interact with our clients is very technologically driven. It's not just pass me these files and put them on a thumb drive and bring them over. That's not it. It's not email them anymore. It's let's extract it and move it into the cloud, share it in the cloud. We'll take it from there. It's those kinds of farms that are really continuing to look down and some are developing their own uh, generative AI models within their farm to help with decisions and decision trees. And it's that kind of commitment to technology and advancement because that really lead versus uh, that. So that's a great one versus a good one. They're all good farms at some level. I say it all the time, CPAs have two kinds of years, good and really good. And that's hard <laughs> to get them to change because it's true. It reminds me though of the adoption curve that we often see. There's early adopters and there's laggards, isn't there? It's as individuals within a firm and between the firms. And so what you're saying is those firms that are innovative, that adopt technology early, that get ahead of the game, they're the ones that grow faster and perhaps attract the best and most talent. Yeah, and it's becoming more and more of an interview criteria. Can you tell me how you, not just what technologies are you using? That's an older question. Tell me how you're doing technology to eliminate these steps, especially if you're looking at a more experienced tire and you're trying to bring them from another farm and they're used to doing it this way and you're going to teach them their way. And it's that they'll ask that very detailed question. You better have a good answer or you won't get them. And, and so that, that's just fundamentally the, the way they think and the way they believe. So they have a budgeted amount the partners agree to, and that, that amount might fluctuate or we might have a last minute decision, but we're not going to not, um, spend it. And, and so we're going to spend it. And, and so what does that mean? Every year we're going to take it in incremental steps and, and, and they have to, because for a CPA firm to adopt something new and change something out, it's a multi-year process, Rob, because they've only got six to 
seven and a half months, best case, after busy season or before the next one to really bring in something and try it new and really bake it into the part to the new process. And the other part that we see with the better firms is when they bring in a new process, the old way is no longer actionable. It's off the table. And that's very much a corporate structure mentality, right? So when I was running other businesses, if we brought in a new expense reporting system for everybody's employee expenses, the old one went away. And so when we made a cutoff and a change, that's it. So starting on this day, all expense reports will be done like this. That's it, end of decision. Now that's a little decision, right? So seemingly, but when you're trying to move, depending on size of business, hundreds or thousands of people over, it's a bigger decision. And then they try to submit it the old way. And guess what? You don't reimburse them. They'll move to the new way pretty quick. So it's that kind of cutoff and mentality that we're not staying here anymore. Moving to the new process, you have to move because the old process is no longer an option. As long as you leave an option out there or backed up, they'll always go to what's easiest when they get crunched for time. And what's easiest is frequently what's most familiar. Forget if it's the best, but it's what's most familiar. Talk to us about Validis for a moment, Jeff. How are you guys adding value to what's going on and holding the hands of leaders in firms to nudge the dial? Yeah. So fundamentally what we do is we extract the GLARNAP from 25 of the largest accounting packages across the globe. We bring that to the cloud and we standardize it. And then we provide it in APIs and in our portal. Our portal is our visualization of what's in the API. And, and so what we mean by that is we want the client to upload the data one time. We're saving the auditor at least eight hours per audit engagement. And we're saving their client close to that same amount of time of chasing down multiple requests for data. So we get all the data in an accurate format that the auditor can use right off the bat. So we're advancing that. Now, what we're trying to do, and we're having some success and send some press releases out, Rob, is make that data available to other software partners that need standardized financial data at that granular level. That's what we're all about because we're, we know we're not going to build everything. We don't want to. We just want to extract the data and standardize it and then make it available. And so within a funnel, they are still re-entering financial data multiple times, whether that's in from one Excel and cut and paste and have to do it into another Excel to another format. That's one way, and that's a manual way. Okay, you're using Excel, which all auditors know how to use and all accountants, but you still had to manually move the data around. We don't want to do any of that. We want to just give it to our partners through an API and let them automate all of that process. So import once, use many. What is coming up? for the accounting profession over the next two or three years, if you've got your crystal ball out? The, the obvious answer is more AI and generative AI and, and more things like we refer to chat GPT and, and, the, and the other chat engines. But I, but I think it's going to be the incorporation of those tools into daily tasks that are not to replace us. And, and a lot of people get nervous that they're going to replace us. Just to give you a quick old story, when blockchain was a new thing some eight, nine, 10 years ago now, Everybody thought, okay, it's going to eliminate a big chunk of the audit or the audit process, or even the auditor altogether. Guess who audits the blockchain now? <laughs> the audit. So it, we've seen this come and go before, but its latest versions of generative AI, which I think was actually last, what, September, October of last year, when we really started hearing about it in the public, is really a, a very interesting tool to get better at certain things, right? And whether that's tax, consulting, or auditing. There, there's just ways to do that. And one of the ways that we see our role is just be these AI engines that, that are going to get incorporated into the daily workflow with standardized data, because that's what makes them better. Just give me data, give me more data and more data points. And somebody explaining that 
and just makes us all much better at our job, much more efficient and much more articulate when you want to write a memo or a letter to the client or you need to explain something very technical. It's just fantastic the way it's going, and I think we'll just get better at it. And in closing, Jeff, there is a an interesting relationship between the vendors, the tech providers, and the accounting firms themselves. It's in a good place from what I see, but if you could wish one thing or issue a call to arms to both sides of that equation to future-proof the profession for what's coming up, what would you say to the both the vendors and the accountants for the next few years? Yeah, I would say focus on change management, really within the firm and let every vendor know you're doing that and hire some people to focus on that and bring them into the, to the vendor process as quick as you can, whether it's in the negotiation or in the final sale of what we're doing, because changing in life can be really hard, Rob, for any of us, no matter what it is. But within a firm and trying to do that, especially on these shorter 12-month cycles, which we call a year, right, in life, they don't have 12 calendar months. They normally have, like I said, six to seven and a half months to actually do something. But if there was one thing I would say, that would be it. Really focus on change management and how to drive that into your firm and make it stay. Yeah, that's great. Are you excited for the future, Jeff? Oh, 100%. I've been in it a long time, and as I said earlier, but yeah, it's as much fun as it's ever been. It's a lot of work and complexities involved, but the level of appetite is very strong for wanting to do these things. And these firms, the CPAs are just a, a great group of people and a great vertical industry. Of course, I am one, so I'm biased, so guilty. But I, I just think that we're at a great time to improve efficiencies, improve quality, and really provide an even better service to the public. It's great having you as an ambassador of the professional spokesperson for the tech and the accounting side. Uh, Jeff, you really blaze a trail. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights today. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks for having me, Ron. Look forward to talking again. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights.